I am not an expert. I've never published a book or taught a class, but I love quilting, and I love talking about quilting. I make a lot of mistakes, but I like to think that sometimes I learn from them and get just a little bit better. If hearing about someone else's goofs and mess-ups makes you feel better about yours, then I've done my job. Join me now as we talk about quilting for the rest of us. Hey, I'm Sandy, and I'm a quilter, and welcome to episode, I think we're up to 82, in which we talk repetition with Jay. And I'm recording this part of this episode on Sunday, March 11th at 4.13 p.m., um, which, as we're all very well aware at the moment, feels like 3.13 p.m., because we lost an hour this weekend, and it was not a good weekend for me to lose an hour on. I am really, 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 really tired. So um, forgive me if I'm not as articulate as you all know that I can be. Um, in any case, I'm going to start out with some Sandy updates, and then I'm going to have a conversation with Jay and let you listen in, and then we'll do some listener comments. First off, you may have noticed that, yes, indeed, I have chosen an introduction again and, in fact, have gone back to a version of my current or former uh, introduction that I used for almost two years due to an impassioned plea. And that is the only word I can really use to describe <laughs> the conversation I had with listener Paula in person when we had our meet at the waterfall in Virginia a couple of weeks ago. Um, she really, really strongly encouraged me <laughs> to go back to my original introduction. That was the one she felt really fit the podcast. And since none of the rest of y'all had sent me a script, and um, after some conversations with some other folks as well, uh, I did decide to go back to my original introduction. So thank you, Paula, for that conversation. And in fact, you need to send me your mailing address so that I can send you the gift that I promised. If you recall, I had said if somebody sent me a script, I would put their name in a drawing for a uh, fun little gift. And Paula, although there was technically no script involved, you did basically... <laughs> You basically just told me to go back to my old script, so you get the present. Um, so just uh, send me your mailing address, and um, you'll get something from me. Now, you may have noticed, however, if you have every word that comes out of my mouth memorized, as I expect that you all should, um, I did have to revise my introduction a little bit. I took out the line about never having hung a quilt in a quilt show because, folks, I have jumped over that little bit of a fence. Um, uh, one of our local quilt shops here in the area named Patricia's Fabric House has a couple of quilt shows a year, I think. I think they do this like in October and then in March. And so their show is this coming Saturday, and I decided that would be kind of a good entry-level sort of quilt show to get into. Um, and surprisingly enough, those of you who have been listening to the podcast series for, since my first few months, you may remember the quilt, which was the topic of episode 17, in which we saved a quilt from almost certain destruction. That was posted back in July 2010. Uh, that's the quilt that just got entered. Um, it, frankly, it took, I mean, it, it didn't even get finished until early 2011, I think. And and as far as I know, at least nobody ever asked, there's no rules on this um, particular quilt show about how old a quilt needs to be before, <laughs> before you show it. So anyway, this was... Um, this was the quilt I decided to go ahead and show, which, again, just goes to show you that some quilts sometimes are worth sticking with. Now, you know, 
I've also often talked about sometimes you just have to cut your losses and move on. So I am not making a judgment call one way or the other here on quilts in general. Just some quilts just take a little more blood, sweat, and tears <laughs> than other ones, I guess. And this quilt certainly did. So um, that one is going to be in the Patricia's Quilt Show, which is this coming Saturday, March 17th. So any of you who are in the area might want to check out the show. It's always a very, very nice show, and they've always got great uh, quilt uh, sales in their shop to go along with it. And for a quilt shop show, it's a relatively decent-sized one. I mean, I'm I'm a really, really bad judge of numbers, but I would say... Oh, at least a few dozen quilts hanging in it. I mean, it's a, it's a fairly sizable show. They don't just do it in their store. They sort of take over this whole wing of the plaza <laughs> that they are located in. It's just, it's a nice time. Um, I've been to it a couple times. So uh, if you're in the area, go to Patricia's on uh, Patricia's Fabric House over in East Rochester, Saturday, March 17th. I don't know what the actual hours of the show are. I will try to remember to post a link in the show notes. Uh, so anyway, I had to take that particular line out of my introduction. I am also coming up on my two-year podcast anniversary this month. I double-checked the date, and indeed, I posted my very first podcast ever on March 28th, 2010. And so that means March 28th, 2012 will be two years. And who'd have thunk it? <laughs> Frankly, I never, as I've always said, I never really expected to even do more than that first one, let alone two years worth of them. And I've just been having an absolute ball. So um, in honor of my two-year podcast anniversary, I will try to start thinking about something special that I might podcast about on that day or near that day. And um, certainly, I've got some big giveaways coming up because, frankly, I'm downsizing my quilt library. So I'm going to be doing some serious book giveaways on my blog. I haven't really decided how I'm going to do this, so watch the blog, and certainly I will announce it as podcasts come up. But if you're looking to add to your quilt library, you might not want to buy anything until you see what I'm giving away, because there's going to be a lot of books. I think I might even give them away in like packs of three or something. Um, I had already uh, sold many of them. This is uh, what is still um, in my box that currently is going around the back of my car. Uh, they're all relatively new books. I mean, I don't have anything that's certainly no older than about 10 years old, I don't think. And a lot of these are even, you know, much newer than that. So good books, good topics, just things that I know I personally won't be doing or I've already gotten out of them what I need to get out of. So uh, keep an eye out for that. Um, I did want to make a very quick announcement about Podbean. I just got noticed today, or I had um, just picked up, I guess, a message today that I hadn't seen, that uh, some folks were having trouble downloading several different quilt podcasts. And as Darla of Scientific Quilter uh, did a little bit of research, they were all Podbean podcasts, uh, of which one of which is mine. And um, apparently what had happened is Podbean had undergone two or three days of scheduled maintenance or something, and just podcasts weren't updating in iTunes. Uh, I had already gotten, I think all of them, maybe one I hadn't gotten, but um, mine, like I subscribed to my own podcast just to make sure that it does go through, and mine had already gone through, but I think it just depends on when you actually went to iTunes to try to update. So if you happened to try to go to update during the time that Podbean was having scheduled maintenance, then you may not have gotten the most recent episodes. So if that's what happened, just go back and try again. And of course, that means you may not actually be listening to this one either, but <laughs> hopefully you are, and you will, and you do, if that made any sense. So that was just that um brief announcement. Now, 
Currently, I have what I actually think of as an embarrassment of riches of episodes recorded. I still have two more left from Quilt Festival, two interviews, and now I have two with Jay, two in our design series. And I'm really, I'm so excited about posting all of them that if I wanted to shoot myself in the foot, I'd post them all today. <laughs> and then I'd just, you know, kick back and wait for four weeks and tell you, look, you got four weeks worth of episodes. I'm taking a vacation, but that's not the way I, I want to work. So I will, I'm going to be kind of scrunching them up so that four episodes might get posted over maybe two and a half weeks, maybe three weeks. I don't want to wait all four weeks to get all of them. Uh, so today's episode is going to be a continuance of the design series with Jay. And then another couple days, few days, I will post my interview with Karen Lee Carter, quilt designer and teacher, who had, by the way, wonderful fingernails at the time I interviewed her. <laughs> and you'll hear more about that. Um, I don't know if we actually talked about that on the episode, but I sure did take pictures of them. They're great. And then... Um, Next week, we'll have another conversation with Jay, and then another few days after that, I'll post my interview with a quilt shop owner who comes at quilting from a slightly different perspective. So be sure you keep track, because there is great stuff coming down the pike. I'm really, really excited. So, all that being said, today's episode is with Jay. We talk about the design principle of repetition. So um, without any further ado, we will get on to that conversation and then I'll do listener comments at the end. Okay, we're um, doing yet another design episode with Jay. Hi, Jay. Hi, Sandy. Okay, we are talking about repetition this week, I believe. What do you want to, how do you want to start us off? Um, well, just the normal way, repetition is a principle of design. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you want to give us a little bit of a definition? I mean, I think repetition feels a little more obvious than some of them, but let's let's talk it out a little bit. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think we're all very familiar with repetition, but we'll just work through it like we have the other ones, and then people can get hopefully a good background and foundation for this principle. Okay. So the principle of repetition is really versatile. It not only promotes the existence of unity, but plays a significant role in the appearances of the principles of rhythm and harmony. And I'm saying that first because I want to remind you to go and listen to unity again, the episode that we did on unity, because repetition and rhythm, which I believe we're going to do next, is are both really tied into unity. So if it's been a while, maybe you want to go and listen to it or at least look at the, the blog post, which I'll link back to from the blog post on repetition. So definitions. Repetition provides visual clues to help move the eye around the picture. Similarities and elements reinforce the viewer's recognition of symbols, strengthen rhythm, encourage movement, and produce patterns. It introduces variations of repeated elements to prevent boredom. And I mentioned three other parts of our design series, rhythm, movement, pattern. We'll go through those, but it kind of gives an example of how you can, of how all these work together. I mean, it reminds us that they all work together. And that last bit, about introducing variations of repeated elements to prevent boredom is from a Liz Berg workshop that I took. And 
when she uses elements in this definition, she doesn't mean design elements, but elements of the design. So your blocks or your triangles, parts of the design. Another definition is we use the word de repetition to describe the practice of using design elements over and over again. So you might have, again, my favorite triangles, or we talked about a star sampler last time, that sort of thing. An element that repeats itself in various parts of a design to relate those parts. And this definition is totally about quilts. I mean, it's not. It's not, but your blocks in a quilt are, are repeating parts of the design, especially if it's a one-block quilt. And I think we talked about a sawtooth star sampler, I mean a sawtooth star quilt as well. Another definition is repetition in design is simply repeating one or more elements. I realize that a lot of these are very similar because it's pretty simple definition, but I want different learners to understand clearly what we're talking about. Right. Um, something simply repeats in various parts of design to relate the parts to each other. The element that repeats may be almost anything, a color, a shape, a texture, a direction, or an angle. And this part is really important. Various parts of the design to relate the parts to each other. So you're trying to create a design that is a visual whole and repetition really can help you do that. And it, I don't want to say it's an easy way to do it because it's also easy to screw up. <laughs> but it's a very common way to do it. And again, we're used to that in quilt making because we often do block quilts. And you art quilt makers out there, I'm not excluding you because you guys do this as well. Maybe you're doing a tree quilt and you have five trees in it or the leaves of the tree repeat even though they're different colors, something like that. And finally, provide... Repetition provides visual clues to help move the eye around the image. And again, this is maybe your block quilt where you have a whole bunch of stars. And you go, oh, star, 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 star. It moves your eye around the quilt. Now, if it's really boring, then maybe your eye won't move around the quilt. But we talked a little bit about that last time in Unity, so repetition with variety is coming to mind for me. Well, and I think in, in that, whenever I hear repetition with variety, I think of the difference between a quilt that's the same block over and over and over again in the same fabric versus one that's the same block over and over again, but it's been made scrappy. Even if it's all reds, they're different reds, and that's the um, repetition with variation. Exactly. And that comes to my mind as well, because that is a great way to move your eye around the quilt. I, the other thing that comes to mind is, and this is mostly because I've been immersed in this, I'm reading um, Ruth McDowell's book, and I'll have to post a link to it because I never get the title entirely right. I think it's Fabric Journey, um, in which it's basically a gallery of her work, but she talks you through each one and how she made the decision she did. And one quilt in particular comes to mind where it was pieced flowers um, and leaves, and then some of the fabric she chose specifically because they had prints of 
leaves in them. So it, that was the repetition, even though they were different leaves, different ways of achieving the leaf, it still moved your eye around because it was the repetition of the image. And that is a really sophisticated way to use, to use repetition, but it's not difficult. So it's a great way to use repetition or employ repetition in your quilt. Right. And that is an awesome book. If people don't have it, they should run out <laughs> and find it. There's a, that's a series, but it was a small series. I think there was one by or about Michael James and one by Yvonne Forsella. They're just great, great books. And I'm really sorry that CMT didn't continue it. They told me that they just couldn't make money off of them. So too bad because the information in there is awesome. It really is. Even though, you know, with Ruth McDowell's work, I may never do a quilt in her particular technique, but I'm learning so much, you know, as you said about these design elements by reading her decision-making process. So, yeah, I concur. They're great books. And you can... Even if you learn one technique from her, you can employ that in a quilt that's not in her style. Right. And she's such a great writer and teacher that I, I always learn so much. And I've taken the same workshop from her three times. <laughs> and I've always learned something new. That was kind of her design and piecing workshop. Right. And it was a short version that our guild had, and they had her out three times, and every time I made it happen. That's sort of a, a different take on the whole idea of repetition. <laughs> so you're repeating the workshop, but you still learn something new every time. Yeah, she's just a great teacher, and I know she's going to retire soon, so if people can manage it at all, get in one of her workshops. Mm. Um, okay, so shall we continue? Yes, back back to <laughs> the task at hand. We'll get over our little Ruth Michelle love fest here. <laughs> um, but I love her. I mean, she she's very... I mean, okay, forget. We'll talk about Ruth Michelle another time. Um, so basically, repeated elements will help bring unity to our creation. And just think about that when you're laying out your quilt. A definite focal point isn't a necessity in creating a successful design. Okay, I hear the deep intakes of breath. Seriously, you don't need a focal point if you have repetition, but a focal point is a tool that art, that your creation may or may not use depending on their aims. An artist may wish to emphasize the entire surface of a composition over any individual element. And this is a way... One way to do this is to repeat an element. So if you're emphasizing the entire surface, then you can do that by repeating elements rather than having a focal point. So I know, Sandy, that you've been working on your medallion quilt. So that center medallion is a focal point. But you may be repeating um, elements in your borders. So maybe I think you said you were doing a triangle border. So I'm, not, you have, I'm not doing any more stinking mariner's uh, <laughs> compasses. <laughs> I, I was I was just working on it again this morning before we did this interview, and I've I've just about had it. So that's not going to get repeated. But yes, the the colors, the some of the shapes may get repeated. Yeah, um, but you're ruining my point here. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but in but. So even if you have a focal point, you can still use repetition in other parts of the quilt. 
but generally when I'm talking about it for this episode, we're talking about the whole surface mm-hmm. of the And one example is Andy Warhol's 100 Hands painting. There are 100 repetitions of precisely the same image with no change, no contrast, and no point of emphasis. But the repetitive, unreleased quality is the basic point, and it really dictated the design. So I don't know if people are familiar with that piece. I'll definitely put a link to it, but it's it's the tomato soup cans, I think, mm-hmm. and they're all the same. And somehow this is just a fascinating painting. Obviously, it's Andy Warhol, so that's part of it. But it's complete. This is a perfect example of repetition. Right. Yeah. Excuse me. Now, I was, I was thinking, right, and again, in, in quilt making, we're probably more familiar with that idea because so many traditional quilts particularly are just overall you're not looking at a particular focal point yeah and some of those red and white quilts that we were talking about last time are like that i mm. have in my mind a um a quilt from that exhibit the infinite variety exhibit that was all red saucy stars on a white background and i could completely be making that up but um, <laughs> that is a similar example to andy warhol's 110 Right. The impact is specifically because of the repetition without change rather than the variety. Exactly. Exactly. So as we probably mentioned already, repetition is used frequently in quilt making. Block quilt, similar fabrics or colors, fabric repeats, repeated vertical stripes in an Amish bars quilt is, is also an example. And that's a very specific example, but... Fabric repeats, I want to bring up for a second, because in every fabric, well, almost every fabric, there is a repeat, and the, the size of the repeat can vary, but I know that people will cut out bits of the motifs to put in the center of a block or use as a border or something, and what you're doing is you're using the fabric repeat, which is repetition in that design. So a fabric is also a design, and when they repeat it, obviously they want you as a quilt maker to be able to use repeating parts of the design, but they're also using repetition as an overall design element. Okay. So I thought uh, I found some examples of repetition in quilts, and I'm going to post those. Some of them are not a quilt, though. Like, there's one of cabbages, one of doors, one of stamps. And then there's a whole group of repetition on Flickr. So I'll post those so you can see them. I didn't put pictures in my notes. Otherwise, I would also describe them to you. <laughs> uh, so, yep. Well, I was going to say, I think I would encourage our listeners, you know, we keep saying, well, repetition seems pretty obvious, and we use it all the time in, in quilt making. I'd really encourage you to look at some of these images and to particularly look at um, even art quilters like Ruth McDowell, I think, even if you're a traditional quilter, you will pick up a lot about kind of subtle repetition and repetition that's not as obvious, you know, to begin with, and to explore how you could use that in your own quilt making to make it just a little unique, a little bit different, um, and almost catch people by surprise when they look at your quilt 
and they think, oh, there's, you know, they can see that it's it's unity, but they can't necessarily name right off the bat immediately why that is. Um, and also, what I do a lot is I will look at cards in a in a nice card store. Like I don't know if people have papyrus or those mm-hmm. type of stores where they live, but they often have really artistic designs. And I'll look at them and go, oh, this is a really nice example of repetition, or this is a really nice example of something else. And it's also a very inexpensive way to get some some inspiration and some different ideas about all sorts of design, not just repetition, but repetition is really common in cards. But, you know, these these links that I'm going to put up are free. So. Right. Well, so and also, we had mentioned early on, and, and maybe the very first um, design episode we talked about is ads, especially ads in higher-end magazines, often employ a lot of these design elements. And I also think about National Geographic, um, the photography there. You'll see a lot of these design elements in those photos as well. A lot of this whole design series is really looking at something. It's learning to look at things and break it down. And I see this when I go to museums is people will, they'll be doing a slow cruise by all the paintings or sculpture. And you really can't take it in if you don't stop and focus on some pieces. And the same is true when you're, out in your world at the card store or looking at this group of repetition on Flickr, really need to look. Just take, you know, 20 seconds and look. And I have to give a little shout out to Noni who she took one of our episodes recently and she kind of tried to apply what we had talked about to her own quilts. And I thought that was really great. Absolutely. Made, made a big effort and, not only did I appreciate it, but I hope she learned something and is able to expand what she knows about design. Yeah, absolutely. That was a wonderful, wonderful experience, Noni. Thank you. Do it again. <laughs> Everybody else do it too. Everybody do it. Okay. Um, all right. So let's talk a little bit then about how repetition then does integrate with some of these other things that we've talked about. So repetition is the element of choice to create unity. And one reason is repetition promotes the existence of unity, but it also plays a significant role in the appearance of of rhythm as well. And we'll talk about rhythm later. Repetition that flows fluidly through a design allows rhythm to come forth. And when repetition and rhythm work together in a visual pleasing manner, harmony, which is another word that we were using for unity, is created. So these things kind of, they come together and they help to create your overall good design. And if you have at least one repeating element, it can, it can serve to create unity, even if you are doing a scrap quilt. So there's no, or a charm quilt, there's no repeating fabrics, you can still create unity or still create a good design using repetition, which creates unity. And the bad news is if no repetition exists, there isn't anything to hold the design together. And that that also applies to art quilts. 
So there has to be something repeating to hold the design together, which is, which is, could be a color, or like you were talking about with the leaf fabric, or it could be two trees or something. But you need something to hold the design together, and repetition is the the big choice, the the favorite choice. Can I ask, let me interject here that you had mentioned charm quilts that if you imagine a charm quilt and a charm quilt is specifically a quilt that never repeats the same fabric. If you imagine that where it also never repeated the same shape, it would appear to just be visual chaos. What holds a charm quilt together is the shape because the shape is identical throughout, but then it's always different fabric. Um, I think that's mostly true, although I don't know if it's always true, but I think I think it's mostly true. Seems to me I have a um, quilt in my mind that was a charm quilt that had some kind of borders or something, inner borders, and then more different shapes. But whatever, I, I could be completely making that up. <laughs> and it's something you will eventually create yourself then. <laughs> uh, probably. So, um, so again, for the art quilters, pattern is a repetitive design. It just uses the motif appearing over and over again. So you could use, say, some rock fabric, even if it was in different colors, and that could be the repeating part of your design. And a pattern is created when the viewer is led to anticipate the same elements in a design. The repetition doesn't have to be symmetrical. It doesn't have to be precisely place for the viewer to be able to anticipate or find a pattern. And repetition, again, is valuable and widely used for achieving visual unity. So I don't think I can repeat that enough, <laughs> but I'll try. And rhythm, you're going to hear this again, but rhythm is the repetition of a regular pattern or a harmonious single sequence or correlation of colors or elements. Yeah, and, and we'll be talking more about rhythm in its own episode. So if our listeners are thinking, okay, well, I understand repetition. I'm not quite sure I get this rhythm thing. Don't worry. It's coming. <laughs> there. And for your musicians, I know you're all rolling your eyes. I don't know anything about music. So. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of you will be able to add something to rhythm. So just for some tips, Tips and tricks, every element doesn't need to be repeated. If too many elements are repeated, predictability, visual monotony, and disinterest in results. Or, as Andy mentioned, visual chaos. <laughs> <laughs> um, elements can be repeated in different sizes, shapes, or textures and still be considered repetition. So this goes back to the charm quilt. One patch charm quilt, if you're making a tumbler, You've got your repetition even if you're not using the same fabric. And I'm going to put up an example um, from an artist called so Sophie Tauber Arp. Arp. And she has a couple that are good. One is called Composition with Circle, Shaped by Curves, and Composition in a Circle. And I'll put those links up. And finally, similarities and elements reinforce the viewer's recognition of symbols, strengthen the rhythm, encourage movement, and produce patterns. Introducing variations of repeated elements prevents boredom. 
And that, again, comes from Lisburg. If you have a chance to take her design workshop, then she's a really good teacher, too. And she has some great exercises on design. Okay, and, and you'll be posting a link to her website in your notes as well? Yeah, I will. Okay, great. So one of the things I'm thinking then is if is if a listener is working on a quilt, perhaps a you know, perhaps an art quilt type thing, and something's just not sitting right, she may she or he may want to look at then repetition. Is there a way that maybe she could swap out a fabric, keep the shape the same, but use a different fabric to repeat a theme or an, an image or something, or repeat a color somewhere to to help kind of ground the um, piece altogether? One really important point for every single part of this design series is to make visual decisions visually. And I did not make this up. Rain Torrance taught me this in a class that I took from her. And what that means is if you, like what you're talking about, if something isn't working, swap out a fabric. But that means take out the fabric out of your stash, put it up on the wall and look at it or on your design floor or wherever you do your design work. If you don't look at it, you're not going to tell, you're not going to be able to tell if it's going to work. The fabric in your mind is not the fabric in your staff. Right. I was trying to pick out some, some greens yesterday because I want to recover the pillows in my living room. And we have this great place, um, in, Mountain View called Fabmo and what they do is they go to the design studios and they get all the samples from the interior designers and uh, fabric manufacturers and then they give them away and usually they ask for a small donation. It's fabmo.org. So at the meeting I was at yesterday, one of our members is a board member and she always brings a group of these fabrics just to try and get people interested and so I was looking through them trying to find some some greens and my friend goes, Make visual decisions visually, but I didn't have my wall handy that is green that that reflects badly. So I picked a few and I'll have to look at them later. And some of them aren't gonna work, but I need to the point is that I need to look at the fabric and the wall together before I can pick. And it's just a really important point. If that's the only thing you learn from this series, make visual decisions. <laughs> right. Range work, another great teacher. Absolutely. Okay, so just a couple of notes before we wrap up. If you haven't seen Wayne Tebow's work, as soon as we end this podcast, go to Amazon and get one of his books. <laughs> his cakes and candies paintings and his gumball paintings they are whimsical, fun to look at, but they are also fabulous, fabulous examples of repetition. If you can hear an interview from him, go and listen to it. I know there was one on NPR, I can't remember which show, a while ago. And he's just an awesome, awesome painter. And he's so humble. And they asked him, so, do you think you're a famous artist or some stupid question like that? And he said, I'll let history decide what kind of artist I am. <laughs> He's got paintings in museums, and I've seen multiple shows of him, of his. So, anyway, hmm. go take a look at Wayne Tebow's work. It's awesome. It will totally inspire you. 
and he uses both repetition in shapes and, and motifs, but also in colors. So all of his cakes, for example, might be different, but the colors repeat throughout his work. I mean, that's a very simple example. You have to look at his work. Hmm. Um, and if I didn't say it enough, repetition <laughs> is another way to create unity in a quilt design. The repetition of an element in a composition can tie the whole together, creating a relationship among the elements. And repetition of an element creates visual rhythm, which again we'll get to. Static rhythm, alternating rhythm, and progressive rhythm have an effect on unity through repetition. And we'll cover those next time. Repetition that flows fluidly throughout a design allows the rhythm to come forth. And if you kind of think of looking at a quilt and you see this sort of curved line, maybe sort of a hill, I'm waving my hand in the air up and down. <laughs> I know you all can't see. That's what I'm talking about when I say that repetition that flows fluidly, fluidly throughout a design allows a visual rhythm to come forth. And finally, when repetition and rhythm work together in a visually pleasing manner, harmony is created. So I've said a lot of the same things over and over. I hope you've gotten them. And the other thing I wanted to say is I used two new books for this episode. One is called A Fiber Artist's Guide to Color and Design by Heather Thomas. And the other one is Art Plus Quilt by Lyric Snard. And I think you reminded me about that one. I did have it, but I hadn't been using it. So I'm incorporating that into my um, group of resources. Yeah, and it's definitely an excellent resource. So I have a couple of examples um, that I'm going to post. And one I found at Starbucks. I was sitting in a Starbucks. And they had a group of mirrors on the wall, and they were all framed differently. They were different sizes and shapes. And I was in the middle of working on this episode, and I thought, oh, perfect example, <laughs> perfect picture. And all the people at Starbucks are like, what's that crazy woman doing? So just so everyone knows, I act like a crazy woman for you. <laughs> we appreciate it. <laughs> Um, and I do think uh, I noticed in your notes some of the uh, images you posted were actually from Pinterest. And I think that's uh, Pinterest has gotten a bit controversial lately because of uh, copyright issues. But it is a fantastic place, again, to test yourself. If, if you're not able to get to a museum or you're not able to get out and look at a lot of images, go to Pinterest and you will find, uh, you know, look at images specifically to see where is the repetition? You know, what am I seeing here in terms of repetition and unity and that kind of thing? And when I use Pinterest and when I post things from Pinterest, I always source the images. And if I can't source the images, then I don't put them up. Right. So, and even if I, um, if I pin something, I'll try and put who it's from. And I've noticed that sometimes people won't do that. They'll say, oh, this is so-and-so's work, and I'll know that it's actually not, and I'll right. put. And that's for my own edification because I want it to be right. Right. I, I think that's really important. Um, I think, and again, we've talked about our next episode is going to be on, on rhythm. I think as you were talking at the end um, about repetition and rhythm, 
one of the quilt artists that always comes to mind when I think of this is Carol Breyer Fallert and her quilts where she uses the flying geese block, but she messes with it <laughs> as she goes. Her flying geese, that's the exact shape that I was waving with my, with my, <laughs> and that's, that's great repetition, but it's also great rhythm. Yeah. And we'll talk more about that next time. We will. All right. Well, thank you so much for this. And again, as always, Jay will be posting all sorts of information and links on her blog. Um, I will make sure that when this episode gets posted, I will link to Jay's blog so you have it all in one place. Plus, I will also post a link to the Unity episode um, so that, as Jay has recommended, you can go back and remind yourself of what we talked then because it was a while ago. <laughs> so... We are having problems getting our schedules together so that we can record these episodes in any sort of uh, regular schedule whatsoever. But we're doing our best, and hopefully you all appreciate this free resource. (laughs) I'm sure they do from the comments I'm getting. Well, thank you very much for this, Jay. And uh, we will be um, closing out this conversation and then starting to talk about rhythm fairly soon. Thank you, as usual, Sandy. Great job. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you so much again, Jay. I always have so much fun talking to her, and we always do it at some ungodly hour of the morning for her, her time. So, you know, it's either way early for her or way late for me, one way or the other. Um, So she's been very gracious in letting me wake her up in the morning, because that's what happens when you have a three-hour time difference. Uh, So let's uh, remember, you can go to Jay's blog, and I'll post a link to it to get all the show notes from, well, not the show notes from this episode, all the information about repetition, as well as links to pictures that um, are examples of much of what we talked about, etc. And I will post a link to Jay's blog on my blog, just in case you don't already subscribe to Jay's. If you don't, you should. So here's listener comments. Um, Holly emailed me to suggest that I let everybody know about a block of the month program going on at Craftsy, which is a website I talked about uh, a couple of months back, three months back. I don't remember exactly when I talked about it. It was it was a while ago, though. Um, But as Holly says, and I'm quoting her email here, they are doing a block of the month this year and it's really fun. And the best part is it is free. They do a video and have printable instructions. She teaches two methods of similar blocks. It would be great for a beginning quilter or someone who just wants to learn maybe something new. Uh, The only problem for me is they only let you see the instructions one month at a time, she says. And I actually know, um, I emailed Holly back to say several folks in my guild are also doing that same block of the month from Craftsy and they're really enjoying it. So um, everybody, if you are into doing a block of the month and aren't already into one or would like to add another one to your repertoire, check out Craftsy. And that's just Craftsy.com, C-R-A-F-T-S-Y, I believe. Um Also, thank you to Connie, who pinned a couple of my recipes to Pinterest. Thank you so much. Connie is a uh, friend of somebody who follows me, and I follow her on Creating the Hive, which is another website I think I probably mentioned back when I first joined it a couple of years ago. And so you might want to check that one out, too. It's just Creating the Hive. Don't remember the actual website, but if you Google that, you should come up with it. Um, It's another social networking website for crafters. It's probably a little more professionally oriented. In other words, um, most folks on there seem to have craft-oriented businesses with, um, you know, Etsy shops or uh, stores or online presences or whatever, but it's still, it's a neat place to be involved in. 
Akani also mentioned to me, um, I had referenced The Artist's Way, with Julia, who, with, um, who, which was written by Julia Cameron, and um, Connie said that she w has always wanted to do it. Um, I am working my way through it while I'm on sabbatical because the it's a 12-week um, kind of step-by-step -step program, and it's not a 12-step program, although I suppose it has elements of that. It's a 12-week um, study that you do. Um, that helps uh, release your own creativity. And so I decided, you know, my sabbatical is 12 weeks. It's perfect. So I'm on five, week five of The Artist's Way and week five of my sabbatical. And um, I really, I really like it a lot. And I'm a tough sell on stuff like that. Um, I've tried to do things like that before, and 95% of them don't grab me for a variety of reasons. This one I really like. So I would suggest that people do it. Um, I did hear that... Um, Annie Smith was going to be, do I think it was Annie Smith, was going to be doing an Artist Way group online, but I never found it. She had said she was going to start it in January, um, and I was never, I looked two or three times on her site, and I never saw anything about it starting, so I'm not sure if that started or not. If any of you know and want to let me know, that would be great. Um, I'm just, you know, I'm already far enough into this, I'm just going to continue it on my own in any case, but others might want to know about that. Sewing Karen 22 let me know that she had just left an iTunes review to warm my heart cockles, <laughs> whatever those may be. Thank you so much, Karen. And um, again, when you like a podcast, leave a review. They always, all podcasters really appreciate getting those. So thank you, Sewing Karen 22 I really appreciate it. And Celia, you are welcome to come to the Mid-Atlantic Quilt Festival from Australia anytime. We would love to have you. Uh, my stories of the adventures trying to find a McDonald's on that episode brought back memories for Quilt and Jenny from drives along those same routes to see her grandparents. Apparently, listening to me talk about trying to find a McDonald's made her decide she had to find a McDonald's while listening <laughs> to the episode. So this time I'm planting a different suggestion instead. Find a salad. Find a salad. Much healthier. Okay. Um... Lori, Litterdurmdivim, asked me to post a picture of the dog quilt kit that I bought, um, a more close-up picture of it, and I will try to remember to do that on my blog sometime in the next few days. In fact, I'd really like to get it started um, fairly soon. It is really adorable. And, and so when I get to that point, and I will also post a link to the, um, the kit created, not the kit creator, but the designer. I got a lot of really nice comments on my Carol Doak block. I haven't gotten the borders done yet, though. That's on the top of my to-do list for tomorrow. I think I know what I want to do, but once again, it will take a little bit of um, ingenuity on my part to figure out how to do it, and I'm not sure how ingenious I'll be feeling. So, so we'll see how that goes. Watch my blog for an update on that. Uh, Tori made me laugh. Here's uh, what she said. I had to laugh about the GPS stories. Early in GPS days, I ended up with my sister's family driving down a dirt track next to a river in Harper's Ferry, since the GPS insisted that this was the best way to downtown. The GPS wanted us to take a left into the Shenandoah River. We declined its kind directions. <laughs> and then she said, um, she's, this is her first post. She's not a techno person since she tends to think of the computer as, quote, the magic box that helps me work and communicate. <laughs> But she says, if I ever get inspired to Twitter and text and so on, I'll be sure to subscribe to you and the rest of the Hampton Fab Five, <laughs> which just cracked me up. Hear that, girls? We're the Hampton Fab Five now. And, uh, you know, we've got to get more of you podcasters there next year. Maybe we can become the Hampton Fab 12 or Terrific 12 or however many of us there are. I've actually never counted. Uh, so hopefully more folks together or we'll find a more central location or something. I'm not sure. 
Diane asked about command hooks. I had mentioned using those for hanging quilts, and she wanted to know how that worked. Um, I tried taking a couple of pictures because I was going to post on my blog as soon as I got that question from you, but they didn't come out well. So I'm going to try that again, and I will post that on my blog. So uh, keep an eye out there. And in general, thank you to Sherry, Holly W., Connie, Sewing Karen 22, Celia, Shelley, Katie's Quilting, Nancy, Anonymous, and you know who you are apparently, because I don't, Jackie, Amy, Laura, Loretta Six, Holly U., Jay, Susan, Kelly the Fifth, Quilter Caroline, Amy, Sandy, Be a Quilter, Sherry Spins, Brenda J., Noni, Tori, Diane, Quilton Jenny, Colleen, and Francis. A lot of you also left several posts, which I really appreciate so much. Um, like I always say, I really love reading your comments, and if I don't get back to you on them, just know I am reading them and appreciating them anyway. Speaking of Quilton Jenny, by the way, um, now that she's attached to Seamed Up, Seamed Up has a huge contest going on for the month of March, and I was thrilled that very, very briefly, I was in the lead, but I've now dropped back to seventh place. Yes, I just double-checked that, and seventh place by a fur piece, as they say. It looks like it's currently a head-to-head competition between, guess who, Daisy of Very Lazy Daisy and Pam, head rhombus of Hip to Be a Square. I think we need to put those two girls in a timeout. They apparently just can't get along together without competing. They have a, uh, not a Flickr group, a Pinterest thing going about their UFO finishes for the year, and now they're competing on Seamed Up. It is all in fun. I will, I do know that, and I want everybody else to know that. They don't hate each other, um, but man, they get each other rip-roaring going on stuff. <laughs> so it's been kind of fun watching the two of them going. But I will also give a shout out to Katie, aka Quilted Magnolia, who is in third place, and she's been making a lot of noise on Twitter. There's been some trash talking going on. So um, keep an eye on that. If you haven't checked out the contest, go do so. Lots of great prizes up for grabs. Um, and I'd also like to say, I think I'm uh, I'm a guest blogger at some point, it seemed up, and I think it might be this coming week, but I'm not sure. And Pam of Hip to Be a Square is um, on a podcast of theirs coming up. I'm sorry, I have not checked my podcast this weekend. I don't know if maybe it's already been posted, but I know she's coming up. So that's all the news in the quilting world. That's all the listener feedback. Thank you so much. And I look forward to getting more um, feedback this week, more comments. And um, like I said, I've also got another interview coming up that I'm going to be posting pretty darn soon. So meanwhile, email me at sandyquilts at gmail.com. You can follow my blog. You can follow me on Twitter and Pinterest and friend me on Goodreads. You can like the Quilting for the Rest of Us page on Facebook and join the Quilting for the Rest of Us Flickr group, of which there are actually three, and you will find all the links in the same place. You can join the Big Tent Quiltcast supergroup and then the Quilting for the Rest of Us subgroup, where I have a really horrific conversation going on right now about quilting injuries. <laughs> That's getting ready for an upcoming episode. And and of course, you can friend me on Seamed Up. I am Sandy Quilts, Sandy with a Y, Quilts with a Z, in all of those places. Uh, you may also find me popping up on various other um, social networking sites, particularly those involved in quilting. You can also subscribe to the newsletter, which I will get one out in March. Somehow I miss February. And you can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us Kiva team and do good all over the world. There are links for all of that at www.quiltingfortherestofus.com. And until next time, Go get your quilty on. Quilting for the Rest of Us is dedicated to Shirley. Love you, Mom.